Hello, my friends, once again, and welcome back to Phantom Talk, um, and welcome back to our top ten combat characters. Um, this is a series we wanted to do for a while. If you missed the first episode, feel free to go check that out on Spotify and iTunes real quick, um, where we counted down our our listings from ten through eight of our top of our top ten list. Um, and today we're going to be covering numbers seven through five. And we are we we've had a blast recording these, and we are so excited to continue on sharing these with you all. Um, and once again, as I mentioned in the, in the last one, if you guys catch us on social media, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, anything else like that, if you see stuff on there, feel free to go ahead and comment. We want to hear about your all's top tens as well, because um, as I mentioned in the first one, there is not really a bad top ten list. Your favorite characters, your favorite characters. Phantom is for everyone, as we've always said. And like I said in the first one, you can literally tell me ten different X Men and be like, "Those are my top ten favorite characters uh, in comic history." Like all of it, and I'd be like, "Sure, that's that's just as valid as anything else." I mean, because all the X Men are great, and unfortunately, I only have two in my top ten, um, which is really kind of sad. But it's just the way a top ten has to go sometimes. Um, but first and foremost, we're going to go ahead and introduce everyone with us once again. Um, all of our fantastic co-hosts, uh, starting off with the wise sage, Josh Hardesty. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Are you sure Jenny's having a blast doing this? Jenny, Jenny might be struggling a little bit, um, just because she hates having to confine it to 10 characters. And I don't even blame her on that. Um, there's a lot of characters I left off. Um, if you missed it in the last episode, uh, I mentioned that I left off one of the characters that's in her top ten, and um, she she almost lunged at me. Like it was uh, it was it was bad. He's, it was. He's just dramatic. It's fine. I'm I'm having fun. That's that that's the, you're. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm that. I'm learning so much about all of you. <laughs> wow. Man. <laughs> all right well that threat came from uh raven uh our sister jenny jenny how you doing i'm great you're, you're, you're great yes. you're good okay good okay. This is fun. <laughs> we also have uh through the magic of skype our wonderful dear friend uh mr al manley better known as the red lanyard al you doing all right today man oh cowabunga Cowabunga. Oh, oh you, yeah. you didn't say it in the first one. Oh, we missed it. Oh, oh you know. Oh, oh. uh, well, everybody, um, that episode's Cowabunga is going to be a Patreon reward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give us a dollar and you can hear Al just be like, Cowabunga. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> Oh, goodness. And my name is Vance McCarty. I'm the EIC uh, of the Fan of Correspondence here, and that is what our wonderful group is. Um, and, yeah, we're just going to be moving right, right along. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and we're going to have a cowabunga time while doing it, won't we, Al? Oh, we will. <laughs> Al, and, and actually, why don't you go ahead and start us off. Uh, you're number seven, please. All right, jumping in. So, um, to recap, um, my... Top 10 so far have been John Constantine at number 10, um, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop at number 9, and Scarlet Witch at number 8. Um, my number 7, um, this is going to be a character, all of them um, on my list are very much rooted in in the fact that I'm really intrigued by the psychology of these characters. Um, you're going to hear me 
talk about that aspect about them a lot. But uh, my number seven is going to be um, Frank Castle, the Punisher. Mm. Okay. Sweet. So, so why why is Frank uh, uh, why is he your number seven then? Ah, well, let me tell you. Um, so, uh, when I was th- thinking about um, this list, um, Josh, um, I talked about this on the last episode. You know how we arrived at these um, decisions, how we decided um, to make certain characters, to cut certain characters, um, and when. Um, the Punisher came up. Uh, he, he is a character I, I've always really enjoyed. He's a character who I've read a lot of. As far as as far as a character's like the percentage of their comics I've read, I mean, I, um, the Punisher's up there. Um, I've read um, a lot of Punisher stuff, um, and. And the reason why he made my list when I had to cut so many tough, tough characters from it is that I'm not sure there is another character in comics who has made me just think about things um, as much as as Frank Castle has. Um Frank Castle is a character, um, you know, I make the comparison all the time between uh, the Punisher and um, the Scarlet Witch. He's a character who, who his whole deal, his whole role in the greater universe that he's a part of is that he, a lot of the times, is the source of, of conflict in his stories. Um, a lot of stories have the narrative of other characters having to contend with and having to deal with the fact that um, the Punisher even exists um, and what that means for them as heroes and what that means for being able to fight crime and what it means to stand up for good when you have a lot of these characters who who are very by the book, who are very, who are very, you know, upright about it, who try who try to take the higher road, who try to have the higher ground, you know, how do they contend with the fact that this is a character who, who seems cruel a lot of the times, who seems very extreme um, a lot of the times. A lot of times he is as well, um, but they have to contend with that, but they also have to contend with his results. Um, you know, he's a character who, who's very violent, who who kills his enemies? Who kills the criminals? He's fine. He finds um, my love for the character comes from comes from a couple of places. Um, one is um, his appearance on on the Daredevil show uh, on the performance by John Bernthal, uh, both in his role on Daredevil and also in his own. Um, show as well um he brings that character to life in in an incredible way there are some character decisions they make in the punisher show um, specifically in season two that um, i disagree with on a character standpoint but um 
the way that John Bernthal brings to life that character and brings to life the fact that he is a just a powerful force and a powerful character, um, a character who has severe effects on where he is. Um, um, and then the other thing that really made me fall in love with the character prior to the Daredevil show um, and his appearance on it um, is Greg Ruka's run on the comics as well. Um, he tells a much more kind of a, a investigative kind of a noir type of story um, uh, where he, he's hunting down a bunch of criminals. He crosses paths with a bunch of, uh, with a bunch of other heroes. Um, his crossover with Spider-Man is on that run is one of my favorite things to ever come out of comic books. Just on um, the juxtaposition just the juxtaposition of Spidey um, um, and Frank in the same story. But um, Frank, I think, is not your typical hero where, you know, a lot of times you think of these comic book characters as symbols of hope, as as things we strive to be. Um, and Frank doesn't really fit that mode. Um, Frank is an example of a character who who goes too far, who wrestles with uh, the demons he has, and and a lot of the times it isn't clear who really wins um, in that fight. However, at the same time, I think, um, and, th- and this is something that his appearance on the show, on, on the Daredevil show, does really well, is that when you read a Punisher comic or at least a good Punisher comic um, or you see his appearance on Daredevil, you're confronted with this fact um, or at least I was uh, um, that you start to relate to the Punisher a lot more than you probably care to. Um, You start to identify with his loss and with his grief and with his his desire to regain some form of control in this world after he lost everything. Um, That's a fascinating character to me. And the fact that you can take a character who's very controversial, who's very harsh and very cruel and very dark and be able to confront people with the fact that, Hey, you may possibly relate to this person a bit more than you like, you know, faced with the same, kinds of things that happening to him that happened to you, you might not enjoy um, entirely how much you might um, identify with um, the thoughts and the emotions that he experiences. Um, he's a really fascinating character when it comes to how grief is handled in various forms of entertainment and various forms of the arts. Um, um, and again, just um, that character journey he's always in of trying to gain some kind of control, trying to make sense of this world that has taken everything from him. Um, It makes him just an incredible character. Uh, Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm kind of on board with you where, you know, Bernthal was one of the first times I ever really identified with the character. I know you said that you had read other stuff before then where you did, 
Um, but for me, Burnthal was the first time I, I was ever like, I'm kind of a Punisher fan. Um, just that, that entire, because also I think Daredevil season two is one of the better seasons of television pretty much this ever. Um, you know, uh, I am kind of curious real quick before moving on, uh, just off the top of your head, what, what was one of the, what were some of the things that you didn't like about him in season two? Or, or did you mean in Punisher season two or Daredevil season two? Um, so I meant in season two of the Punisher. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so yeah, I personally haven't finished that one just yet, so I gotcha. so I may not even be there just yet. So that's that's something we can talk about more so in person. Um, <clears throat> moving on, Jenny, you are number seven. Um, my number seven. This gets harder and harder as it goes on. Um, mm-hmm. but my number seven is uh, Loki. Um, what, what is happening? Happening right now. Hold on. Can we stop for a second? I need to go take a walk. <laughs> what is um, happening? So the way I com- I com- you know comprise my list is um, you know I I was everybody is number one basically, but I was trying to put like how much content I have, like how much like how long the character has been a favorite of mine, that kind of stuff. So um, I'm literally looking at Loki's flippers. Yeah, no, speak. I know, I know. Okay, so I don't know like, about the I know. content. If, like, if we did this as a bracket, I would have been screwed when it got to you. <laughs> yeah, because I had, I thought I had four of your top five nailed, yeah. and two of them are seven and or seven and nine. nine. Yeah. So I need yeah. an adult. This is. <laughs> I am upset. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that we have just been so flabbergasted by this. Wow. Please excuse us. Uh, why is Loki your number seven? Uh, Loki's my number seven or, uh, you know, my number one really because yes. my entire list is my number one. Why, why is your Loki um, one, one slash seven? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, obviously, you know, I, I, Instantly like the uh, the way Tom Hiddleston portrayed Loki. Uh, that's definitely where uh, my love of Loki came from. I guess the reason that he isn't higher is because if you look at him in the comics, he isn't his first a few appearances in the comics, like older ones. He is not super appealing. Uh, I don't feel like he's as uh, charming or charismatic um, or dreamy. Or, uh, until Tom Hiddleston gets a hold of the character and kind of just reshaped the character entirely. So where I think he is written in comics more like how Hiddleston betrayed him, right? So that's one of the reasons he's not higher on my list, if that makes sense. Um, so, uh, but no, like, I just think he's uh, very interesting in how, um, I mean, everything about him. Like, I don't even know, like, how do you even pinpoint that? That's like, um, you know, he starts off as a villain, uh, quote-unquote villain. Um, mm. And, you know, we later find out, <laughs> years later, mm. even though nobody believed me when I said this, yeah. that he was brainwashed by Thanos. Yeah, we had to, we it, had to do that so, so, we could, so we could still sell the It was confirmed. No, if you yeah. look, if you look, if you go and rewatch that, it's very obvious that he is brainwashed. Okay. All right. Like, so he it, doesn't it, even look like the same person in... Is he brainwashed in the first Thor, too? Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Okay. Anyway, all right. Anyway, <laughs> I'll do an entire podcast. Loki can do no wrong. Shut up. I... Um, but no, like, uh, yeah, I just I love Loki, and you, you threw off my rhythm. I'm so, uh... I'm so sorry. 
Chris Morris, yeah. <laughs> now I've drawn a Martha's Rib. <laughs> Yeah, this is just the way the cookie crumbles. It, um, that it is. I think when you see the rest of my list, y'all understand. I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I know. I mean, I, I have a general idea of what your list was, but like, I'm like Jake. I thought that one was higher. I mean, I would have just, I would have bet anything that I would have been top five at the very least. I would have bet but, top three you know, on but, Loki at least. Yeah, I do. I do love Loki, um, and I, I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. Um, you know, and. Uh, you know, I'm excited about the Loki, you know, series. I'm excited about, I'm hoping that he gets more comic book runs. Um, so, yeah. I will say, I, man, this, I, I'm, I'm about, this about to be a Jacob statement, so just be ready for yeah, it. Because um, I know he was thinking already. Tom Hiddleston did reshape the character, but he borrowed a lot from the Walt Simonson run, which he would probably enjoy. Okay. Because that's the one where, you know, when they're defending Asgard and Thor's like for Asgard and uh, it's a... Uh, no, it's uh, Odin says for Asgard, Thor says for Midgard, and Loki and says for myself. For myself, yeah. <laughs> so that's like, yeah. So like he, he they have, particularly when Simonson takes over, they really do start shifting Loki more towards the middle where... You're right, at the beginning of the Avengers run, he's just horrific. He's just a horrible human being. Well, he's just not yeah. even like... As far as villains go, he's yeah. just not interesting. Like it's yeah, just, he's just, he's in dying. my opinion, he's just like not. It's just like oh, okay, you know. But it's, like Loki's playing other tricks. Thor's got to stop him. Okay. Yeah, that's Let's really how it was. So like, I mean, I I don't I don't even know about the run you're talking about because I just stopped looking until like, you know, the newer ones came out. Like there's, when he was like the. Um, there's a fantastic part in Jason Aaron's Thor where <laughs> nobody knows what Loki's doing. And he's off trying to get the he's off trying to get the frost giants mm. to work for him, and so like the king of the frost giants shows up, and all these frost giants are trying to rip their ears off. <laughs> and the whole point is, which sounds terrific. I, I, I'm sorry for laughing, but like, <laughs> but like the, all these frost giants trying to rip their ears off, and then like he takes one look and he's like, "Was Loki here?" <laughs> and they found out like Loki had whispered something and like had just been messing with their head and they're just like, you know. I mean so his his power set has really changed a lot too, mm-hmm. uh, as far as what he can do. So, well, and I think we'll see more of that in the show. I feel I like I think you're gonna see a lot of that yeah, in the show. I feel like it's kinda gonna be like the Bucky thing where you kinda delve deeper into him as yeah. a person because we've seen very surface level Loki at the That's moment. True. So um, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm really excited. I hate I hate that I have to wait till June. But yeah, that's kind of annoying. And the thing is, like, he probably. I mean, I don't know. He he he'd probably be in my top five. If, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This was rough. Okay, like I actually switched it while we were like recording. Like please, so. <laughs> please don't hit me. I'm going to next to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I bet you are. There were no Jacobs harmed in the making of this podcast. I the podcast isn't over. <laughs> um, we we can't claim that yet. Um, moving on. Uh, yeah, L- Loki. Loki is a, is a great one. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No. Uh, no. 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 He's not. He's not on mine. Oh. No. Uh, I was. I was just saying. You know, L- Loki is a great choice. Um, definitely. There. Even 
even though I'm fairly certain that the Thanos control was a retcon, um, I, even <laughs> okay. though I'm I'm just saying, you can definitely tell a difference uh, when we get to Thor the Dark, Thor the Dark World. Um, he is easily the best part of that movie. Um, I, I know I, I think that movie gets a lot more crap than it deserves because uh, I don't think it's as bad as everyone makes it out to be. I guess technically, yeah, it is in comparison to some of the others, but still, it's still pretty good. Um, but he is Hiddleston is clearly the the standout of that of that film, oh, um, and that carry and that carries over into uh, Thor Ragnarok as well, of course. Um, but moving on, uh, Josh, What's up? your number seven, sir. Number seven, number six. Uh, you can switch out. I still don't know if I've got the order right. Okay, between number seven and six. Um, so we're just gonna go for it. Number seven for me is Black Widow. Okay. Um, so Black Widow has definitely made a, a real, uh, a, a, yeah, that's good. Just go on, dude. Just go, yeah. Just, just open, open the wrapper. You just, just grabbed a giant rice crispy. <laughs> I didn't even know this thing was in the house. Okay? Like, I don't know where you found it. And, and also, it's a rice crispy treat. So, like, so like everything I'm saying is going to be just with the rice crispy treat in the background. Yeah, we're good. Oh, we're good. Y'all okay. are so easily distracted. I guess. Where? I, I mean, it's wow. Just, it, I, it, like, I'm. It's hard to talk about comic characters. Someone pulls out a foot-long Rice Krispie treat. Like, how do you do? Like, and I, and I didn't know where it was. Like, I had no clue where it was. He put, it seriously, he did the Loki. Yeah, like, he so put yeah. a hand up, and yeah. instead of the Tesseract, it was a Rice Krispie treat. Like, I'm trying to be serious, but, like, also there's a Rice Krispie treat that appears out of nowhere. Like, like, I don't, like, you'd be shocked, too, Jenny. Like, if I just pull out a Rice Krispie treat right now, you'd be like, oh, wow. No. Where did that come from? I'm a professional. Okay, all right. Okay, you're right. You wouldn't have flinched. Anyway, I'm going to go back to talking about Black Widow. Black Widow at number seven, yes. Natasha Romanoff, one of my favorite characters. Um, I really, so like, Black Widow, the main reason she's on the list, uh, Jake talked about Scarlett Johansson, but the main reason she's on the list for me is, in my opinion, like if you like if you woke me in the middle of the night and said, Josh, name three comic book runs that I should read. I've never read comics before. Uh, two of them I will talk about later on. One of them would be Black Black Widow by Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto, uh, which is just a perfect run that apparently nobody but me read. Um, but it was such a fantastic comic book, and it really made me fall in love with the character. And it didn't help or or it helped at the time that as I'm reading this, the MCU really starts to focus more on the character as well. You could really say the Avengers movies are kind of, in a way, particularly Age of Ultron, well, particularly Avengers Age of Ultron and Endgame, are in a way Black Widow's movies because she's the one that makes a lot of the as most character growth in those movies yes. and makes <laughs> and makes a lot of the of the big decisions of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, when you in Endgame, I thought one of the most interesting uh, parts of Endgame is that she's the one when everybody else is gone, she's the one holding everything together. But at the same time, the power of the character is like you don't even question it. You're just like, well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> Black Widow would be the one holding this mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. because she's always the one holding it together. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, she's the one that has to tell both Steve and Tony how dumb they are in Civil War. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, has to tell them both that, you know, they, you know, talks about how, 
you know, he just tried to keep one hand on the steering wheel. Um, you know, he's the only one that cares about keeping the Avengers together in that movie. So, you know, I, that, that to me is interesting in and of itself. But when you combine that with what the comics, the heartbreaking truth of the comics preach about the character is that the reason she does all this is because the only time she really feels like she is at home or has a family or is doing anything worthwhile is when she's with the Avengers. And what's interesting about uh, Edmondson's run, uh, Edmondson and Noto's run, and what's also interesting about the run that Kelly Thompson is doing uh, with uh, Alina Casagrande right now is that they're exploring what it means when Natasha is not an Avenger. What does that do? How does that work? You know, and there's really a lot of really interesting things you can do with the character because she's a little like Wolverine in that she has a lot of um, dark deeds in her past. And so there's always this constant, you know, there's always constantly something you can dredge up with her and tell a fantastic story with her about. Uh, whether it's something with the Red Room, whether it's trying to shut down the Red Room, which is what Mark Wade and Chris Samney's run was about, you know, whether it's a character that she's wronged and she's trying to make it right, which is what the Phil Noto and Nathan Edmondson runs about, you know, or whether it's like her longing to have a family, which is what Kelly Thompson's story is about. Uh, there's all these different aspects you can go with it. Um, but at the core is just this really, you know, sad character who you know, who is triumphant in the fact that she's taking what has been quite possibly one of the, you know, hardest lives any of the Avengers have had. I mean, like, I, don't, I can't think of an Avengers had a worse, harder time than she has, you know, and she takes it and turns it into something that's triumphant and heroic. That's what I love about the character. And, uh, you know, and just to echo Jimmy, we need more Black Widow stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and if you're listening to this, read more Black Widow comics so they'll make more Black Widow comics. Because I promise you, everyone likes writing Black Widow comics. Every single person that have, uh, every comic I've ever read Black Widow, you can just tell the writers like, I am so excited to get to do this right now. <laughs> you know, so if you're not reading Black Widow comics, you should read them, uh, buy them, and so we can get more of them. I absolutely, I I fully agree. Obviously. Um, having already talked about Black Widow and how awesome she is. Um, <clears throat> all right, my number seven, my my other X Men character. So we've done Magneto, um, and uh, I, I think for for those of you who know me, this this is probably gonna seem like this character kind of took a hit to go down this low, um, but. I love them, and this is just kind of how it had to happen. But number seven is Nightcrawler. Really? And, uh, yeah. So, Nightcrawler, I have had a just... I have just loved Nightcrawler almost as long as I can remember. Like, I mean, it was almost instantaneously that he was the character I I gravitated towards. I I remember going to where the library used to be. And they used to have this teen section in the basement of the library. And that was where they had the graphic novels. I remember the first time I ever really got into reading the comics, not just watching the shows or anything like that. uh, Josh actually picked out two books for me 
One was Marvels by Mark by uh, excuse me Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, um, which was fantastic. Um, but the other one was Essential X Men Volume Two, um, which if you don't know that has roughly that's X Men Uncanny X Men one twenty to I want to say it's one forty five and the annuals as well. So that has. That has the Dark Phoenix saga, that has Daisy Future Past, that has the, the Proteus uh, run that leads up to the Dark Phoenix saga. It's 20 solid issues of just, this is some of the best X-Men you're ever going to read. Um, but Nightcrawler always, is always a solid character in, in that run, especially, especially when, we, when you get the introduction of Kitty Pride and their, their relationship kind of forms pretty quickly. Um, because they they become instant friends, and it's and it's clear to see why. Nightcrawler at his core is really he is the heart and soul of that X Men team, especially especially that second one. Um, it has M and M's in it. I just noticed that. Like, I know I know if you're listening, you're sick of me talking about this Rice Krispie treat, but it has M and M's in it. It looks delicious. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Nightcrawler is genuinely the heart and soul of, of that X Men team. Um, there's there's no there's no way around it. He is he is someone just that you always look to really to kind of to kind of have the guidance. He even even when he was younger, he starts off as kind of being the guiding the guiding hand for a lot of the characters. Um, of course, he has you know the blue skin, he has the tail, he he has the look of a demon, but of course, it is his. It is his faith that actually carries him through so many different situations that he has. Um, when we first see him, he's literally being run out of a like East German town uh, by a mob with pitchforks and torches in like 1970. So I mean, they, they went they went old school on hating him, and uh, you know, it's it's the aspect of feeling like the outcast. Which is what the core of the X Men at really getting to get across. You have to have a character like, like Nightcrawler in there, someone who literally cannot hide from the certain aspects of their mutation. Um, which is which is why he is a, such an interesting character to to watch, to read. Um, you know, and I just I fell in love with him immediately because because even through as much adversity as he goes through. He's always he always is kind of he's kind of the jokester of the team. He's kind of he has these very self serious moments, but when it comes right down to it, when he's really being himself and when he's with the team, he's very he's very lighthearted. He's happy because when he's with the X Men, he finally has a family, and no one really exemplifies what it means to have the X Men as a family better than Nightcrawler, in my opinion. Um, I know that someone's going to disagree with me on that, and that's okay. But Nightcrawler is just he's my favorite X. Man, there's no way around it, and that's why he's my number seven. So, hey, hey. Uh, all right, <clears throat> moving on. Uh, Al, you're number six, sir. Number six, we getting there, everybody. We won't. We do it. We're there. Woo. Um. So yeah. So my number six, um, very closely related to my number seven. Um, uh, my number six is gonna be Daredevil. Uh, yeah, uh, Daredevil is a character I've loved for a long time. Um, he was actually one of the first, uh, um, one of the first comics I ever read. Um, 
Um, the very first one I ever read was a Spider-Man comic, but the uh, but one of the first ones I ever read very shortly after that first one was um, a Daredevil comic. Um, so I mean, he's been with me from from the very beginning. Eight-year-old Al found a couple of comics in like his his dad's old box and asked him about it. <laughs> like he's been with me from the very beginning of this whole journey. Um, and you know, it's, um, a character I've only ever grown even more invested in, um, I'm from being a kid into an adult. Um, and you know, he's a cool character. I mean, he's, he's a blind ninja, um, who, who, who fights, who fights a bunch of other ninjas. I mean, He's just, he's just a cool dude. Um, and, uh, you know, the uh, classic kind of theme in a lot of comic book stuff, um, uh, the whole idea of what side of justice you fall on as a superhero and as a vigilante um, is possibly the most interesting with him, given his role as, as a defense attorney, as well as on the vigilante at night. Um but he is a character, and I'll go ahead and warn everybody now. Um, six is where I'm going to get a little bit more um, invested in the characters a bit. Um, I'm going to talk about some more real stuff. But um, uh, Daredevil means a lot to me um, um, because, um, you know, there's... When you get down to it, there's a shortage of strong, positive characters in fiction in general. Um, strong, positive, uh, positively depicted characters in fiction um, who 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 have a disability. Um, and of course, there's this whole idea of just like, well, you know, depending on the iteration, is Daredevil actually blind? Is is his vision just kind of askew or, or whatever it is? You know, is it just as well compensated by his other senses and all that? But um, you get down to it, um, and Daredevil is a character with a physical disability uh, regarding his sight, and with um here recently especially he's a character with um a disability in the realm of mental health um as well um there have been a lot of terrific um daredevil comics that have focused in on his struggle with depression um and trying to to fight the darker emotional side of his life um and um you know i'm not going to go on a rant and say you know well everyone in comics is ableist or anything like that um, because that isn't true there's a lot of as far as the various forms of fiction and entertainment go i would actually say that comic books um does a really do a really good job as far as um disability um inclusion uh i'm a representation but, you know, um, I don't think it's any 
secret to anybody, um, even though I don't talk about it very much, but um, I have a speech impediment. And reading his comics as a kid, um, you know, obviously um, I love Spider-Man, but with Daredevil, there was something there that I could really, really relate to and really have a connection with. Um, is this person who who had a disability and it affected how he lived and it affected how people um, thought about him and would react to him and treat him. Um, And this idea that you can still be competent and you can still uh, be smart and use your brain and use your talents and still do good things, not just as a superhero, but as, as the human that you are in everyday life, um, despite um, a disability you have, um, was really, really new and really encouraging and empowering to me as a kid. Um, and he's a character who's kind of continued um, that for me um, over time. Um, so, so yeah, it was really hard to not have him crack my top five because he is a character I've loved for so long, but it's a, it's a tough game. It's a tough game for sure. <laughs> um, Al, I'm curious. Um, is there a particular run, a particular story that you would suggest to people um, for those who are just, who have just, you know, only seen the Netflix series or, or just kind of even heard about Daredevil? Who, who would you, do you, are you more of a Frank Miller guy? Do you go for Bendis' run? Do you prefer Mark Wade? What, wh- who do you suggest? Um, yeah, I mean, um, honestly, the, honestly, the show is an excellent place to start, to be completely honest with you, as far as, as far as the history of the character goes and the depiction of the character goes. But, um, I usually lean towards Wade's run on the character. Um, um, gosh, it feels like 18 years ago when we did, um, our top five, uh, um, comic book runs, um, I think Wade was... Um, number three or four, I forget which one um, on my list, but um, yeah, his run is excellent. Um, it's really good. It's a little bit um, different at times from what Daredevil usually is. It kind of leaves uh, on the street scale uh, for a few issues, but um, it's still really good. Excellent choice. Notice the the two sexes of the group didn't mention Innocenti's run. I noticed that. Jake was like Bendis or Wade or Frank Miller. Innocenti wrote about 120 issues. <laughs> Introduced Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary's kind of an important character. That's true. That's very true. Don't like, just don't like women, Jake. All right, moving on. Um, <laughs> please excuse me for forgetting to mention Innocenti. I do apologize. Uh, just... And since he would have probably been the fourth one that I would have thought of. Oh, uh, four, behind the three other guys. Behind the three guys, yeah, yeah, sure. Guys. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just roll with that, apparently. Wow. Man. Jeez. Okay. Um, <laughs> God, moving on. Um, oh, Black Widow was so low, am I right? I, I hate you <laughs> so much. I don't even know. Who's next? It's Jenny. Um, Jenny's next. All right, all right Jenny. Yes, you're, you're number six. Yeah, Jenny, just because... Who knows where yeah, your list is about to go? What's happening. Um, number six. Number six is Raven. Number six is Raven. Mm-hmm. Okay. What? I have what? no idea who I you're just, 
purpose. I don't understand. Like, I, exactly. Did y'all have like brackets going? Did you lose money? On we. This? I get. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. All right. Okay. So so why why is Raven in your why is Raven in your name? Disaster. I know. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That is your namesake. Yeah. Um, no, I love Raven. Uh, I um, first uh, I was first introduced to Raven uh, on Teen Titans Go. Uh, which I know a lot of people would probably think that's unfortunate, but it was pretty great. I love Teen Titans Go. But um, and then Jacob showed me Teen Titans, uh, the other whichever one. The that original was. series. The yeah. original series, yeah. And uh, I just fell in love with that character. Uh, to me, she stands out above all the rest. Um, the other Teen Titans are fine. It's just like it just seems like, from my perspective, that Raven usually has to uh, save all of them. Uh, from their own stupidity. Uh, that's just my perspective. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um, but, you know, I remember doing more research on her, and, like, there's not a lot of, like, solo runs of hers, but, you know, I think the reason is, is that, you know, Raven, in some stories that you read about her, which, again, I don't know, like, how much of this is canon or not, but, like, you know, she's, like, you know, hundreds of years old. Her father's, like, you know, Satan. Uh, so, you know, she's just... She, she's got her she's got her stuff together you know um and uh yeah i just i, I love her man she's uh original and i hope to see more of her uh, i think we did just find um some raven comics that we're hopefully gonna get a hold of pretty soon yeah. so that's exciting there needs to be more raven she is uh she's just she's great yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely no i mean raven Raven's definitely definitely one of my favorite characters. I mean, she's literally the driving force of the Teen Titans. The yeah. New, yeah, the New Teen Titans, the Marvel Wolfman doesn't run, doesn't exist if Raven's not nope. there because the whole point of when we get together is because Raven's like nobody believes me, but you know, literal Satan stand-in is coming in mm. to destroy everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? My my dad's like a demon and stuff, and um, <laughs> if y'all could help me out, I'd appreciate it. You know, that's yeah. that's that's not exactly how it goes, but that's basically how it goes. Not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, uh, Raven's just a fantastic character, uh, and we have always said that you are like Raven in a lot yeah, of ways. It's, it's the dry um, humor. It's the you know evil beware. <clears throat> we have waffles and the and, creepy intuition and the creepy intuition and yeah. randomly always having something yeah. you know up your sleeve, <laughs> such as a rice krispie treat. <laughs> rice krispie treat out of nowhere. You know, yeah. yeah. All right, all right, guys. Who is your number six, my friend? So my number six is in my opinion the quintessential x-man mm. which is storm mm. there hey. Is, hey. Uh, there's no there's no character really that defines the x-men more than storm um when you look at all the other x-men uh so many of them have left and done other things and like you know and you got you got to go back to 12 year old josh reading the claremont run for the first time and the X-Men are really defined by Claremont's run with Storm being the center of that run. Like Wolverine has a lot of cool moments. You know, Kitty Pride, of course, kind of point of view character. Nightcrawler, Colossus, you know. Uh, Chris Claremont, in my opinion, hates Cyclops more than just about anybody, which is why he's like, Cyclops is going to leave for about 100 issues and whine about Jane Gray for a while. But like Storm is always there. Um, he's the one that jumps into Xavier's vision uh, with both feet. And, you know, her character, her character arc is, is so interesting because 
you know, where, whereas a lot of the, whereas a lot of the, particularly with the rest of the, um, the X-Men that show up in Giants as X-Men, there's a sense where Xavier is getting them out of a bad situation. You know, Nightcrawler, of course, is, as you point out, is being chased by literal pitchforks. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Peter is in literal communist Russia, <laughs> you know, um, you know, Wolverine has been a assassin, you know, he's trying to do good. You know, they're pulling in all these guys. Um, Storm has no reason to go with Charles, except just that it's the right thing to do. Because when Charles shows up to get Storm, she's being worshipped as a literal goddess. Like, literally, like, people are bringing her stuff, you know, and she's a literal goddess of the weather, okay? And she leaves to make the world a better place. And her entire arc, everything about Storm, is she's going to do what is best for the world at large. Because, and this is the genius of Claremont, is because since her power set is all about affecting the world in a very real way, we Claremont uses that to show her... Uh, to show her character as someone who wants to affect the world in a very real way, which is why she's like the one X-Man who hardly ever leaves. Even when she marries T'Challa, she's still an X-Man. And uh, so she is the, you know, if, if she's the, you know, Charles doesn't have a, a whole lot of X-Men that are like, would get like a clean bill of health. You know, they all kind of have their issues and Storm has her issues as well. But she's the care. She's the one X Man, who is always the rock solid foundation of it. Also, you know, if you want to know why the last two X Men movies fell, it's because they don't understand Storm at all. Because you can't, you shouldn't be able to do an X Men movie. Anyone who's doing X Men movie, okay, just write this down. There needs to be one scene where Storm shows up and just dominates everybody. Okay, that's the. That might be the only thing the first X-Men movie gets right, is that Toad is jumping around and beating up all the X-Men, which is hilarious just from the get-go, okay? <laughs> and then Storm just finally is like, you know, you know what? I'm done with this. Here's a hurricane, you know, here's wind, here's rain, and here's lightning just in the middle of this, you know, this building here. Hey, Al, they, there's a line from that movie, What's isn't the there? line, Al? Oh, yeah. It's, um... <clears throat> Hold on, I have to get my Halle Berry on. <clears throat> you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Same thing that happens to everything else. Yeah. Boom! I mean, hey, <laughs> that's a hilarious line, but here, here's the thing about it. You know, you get struck by a storm lightning bolt. I mean, you you know, you feel it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that that's that's her. The, she she is the powerhouse of the X Men, uh, but more than that, she is the the X Men of of all, all of them that truly understands Xavier's vision and you know is always the stalwart person you know going for what it, what Xavier's vision is, um, trying to affect the world in a very real way. Uh, so that's why yeah, Storm is Storm is number six for me. I mean, Storm, Storm's probably, <clears throat> she's probably the hardest cut for me. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, Storm's 
we're doing a top 10 storms probably like 11 or 12 like she's somewhere it's right there um so fantastic choice um number six is where i get weird number six is um is where someone's going to be upset with me for this character being this low uh number six is batman um yeah I mean, well, you know, I mean, you've been wrong before. Have have I? Is that, is that right? Have I? So, I mean, Batman is arguably the most popular superhero in of all time. I mean, I'd say Spider Man, Sp- Sp- Spider Man, Spider Man, Batman, definitely the most popular DC character. You know, and it's it's very clear to see why um, his mythos is something that. I mean, I can't. I cannot think of a single writer that would turn down a Batman story. Like every everyone wants to add something to it. Not everyone should, but everyone wants to add something to it. Um, and and it's just it's just he's just Batman. I mean, he has he has clearly the best Rose Gallery. Uh, I would say he has the best Rose Gallery of any comic villain uh, or any comic character. Um, You're doing a good job justifying why it should be six. I just want to point that out. Thanks, Josh. Um, but it's uh, but you know the the thing about Batman, is, and it's because it, it's the same way. It's the same way with Spider Man. You know, it's, it's this idea of overcoming adversity and overcoming overcoming what is constantly going against you. Batman, when it comes right down to, it, I mean, my favorite my favorite panel from Scott Snyder's run um, is is arguably the "Tell yourself you're more than just a man." Um, which is from Batman 37 and 14 and 14. Well, one's a Joker. One's one's about one's about the Joker. One's about Bruce. Yeah. Um, I can't remember which one is which exactly, but those two are per, are perfect panels in my opinion. Um, because that's, that's who Batman is. He is someone who had this terrible tragedy happen to him and he wanted to make it better. And so to do that, he – what did he have to do, Josh? What, what, what's, what's the line at the end of Zero Year? At the end of Zero Year? Yes, he had to find the – is it – he had to find the crazy that stops oh, him from going crazy? Of, but yeah, he had to find the crazy to justify being crazy. Being crazy yeah. himself, exactly. Um, and that's – that's something that I think that I think I would I would want to strive for. You know, it's something that – not a lot of people would think outside the box on, on that of, you know, well, how am I, how am I going to do this? How am I going to fix Gotham? How am I going to fix the world even? And I guess I'm going to dress up as a bat, you know, it's which I wish that that was actually the line. So the yes, father, I'm, I'm, I will be a bat. Is this, I guess I'm going to dress up as a bat now, you know, um, just make it way more casual. Um, but no, he's just everything about everything about who Batman is, is, is the pinnacle of you, of, of humanity and something that I think that a lot of us would want to, would want to work towards. Of course, naturally with that, you know, because of the tragedies and everything, he is, he is shut off from a lot of people um, mentally. Um, A lot of people would would say that, but that's where, that's kind of where I differ from a lot of people because I think that the inclusion of the bat family shows that Bruce understands that he needs other people. Bruce understands that he he can't do this on his own. Um, he's one of the strongest heroes, you know, ever. 
but even he knows that he's going to need partners. Um, and we'll, we'll probably get into more into that a little bit later. So, uh, but yes, that's why Batman is my number six is just cause he's, he's just Batman. He's just fantastic. So I ain't too mad at it. Superman's not on my top 10, so I get it. That, oh, okay. Ooh. Okay. Um, moving on. Um, I don't have Batman or Superman. You don't have Batman or Superman? I don't, that doesn't surprise me. Wow. She's had her, 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 you know, what she's been exposed to of Batman and Superman would not be in my top 10 either. Actually, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, Batman and Batman series. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be okay. in my top twenty. Be in top twenty. Okay, gotcha. You know. All right, moving along. Uh, Al, your number five, sir. My number five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um. So, but number five. Um. This is a character who, honestly, should be higher um, on my list, but um. I know she will come up a lot um, here in the next uh, couple episodes. Um, and I thought I'd leave um, a majority of that to y'all. But um, my number five um, is Wonder Woman. Um, um, again, would uh, um, is honestly higher than five. But... Um, um, I mean, it's hard to overstate um, what that character means um, to comics at large. Um, she's just an incredible character, an incredible character of strength, of of hope, um, of justice. Um, you know, we talk, um, I talk a lot. Um, about at least, and Josh has too as well. But um, well, we talk a lot about um, um, how our favorite characters are often um, are often the bastions of of hope and of of light and of everything good about us. Um, and, you know, that's true of all my f- favorite characters. It's true of of Spider Man and Batman and um, and all that. Um, but I'm not sure, even with Spider-Man, as much as I love Spider-Man, um, I'm not sure even he um, exceeds that um, when it comes to to how Diana um, really exemplifies and personifies that idea of hope and that idea of light um, I'm in the good within us. Um but yeah, she's a character who who we're going to talk about a lot um, on these podcasts. And again, I want to uh, leave a majority of that to you all. But, um, you know, and of course, I can't talk about her without talking about the fact that for me in my life, she's um, also a representation of one of um, the best individuals I've ever met. Um, so that'll always be a very huge thing um, in my life about the character as well. But, but yeah. Uh, absolutely, yes. Um, I'm... Well, now that Jenny, now that Jenny told me the other, that two, 
DC characters are not in her top ten. She only has one DC character. I'm fairly certain that's one character they'll be on all four of ours. Well, Rayla um, was a DC character. Oh, excuse me. Yes, okay, yeah. Um, so, two, yeah, two DC characters, excuse me. Um, speaking of which, though, Jenny, your number five. My number five is Black Panther. Black Panther, gotcha. Okay. Yes. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, just everything about uh, the Black Panther movie. Like, I think that movie, um, I saw more than any other Marvel movie in theaters. I think I saw it five times in theaters, which is crazy. Um, but, like, anybody who was interested in it, I was like, okay, I'm going to go with you. Like, it was just like I, I, I want to go see it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I really uh, do want to um, – I'm not as well-versed in comics as everybody else here, but, like, I do want to get involved in the Black Panther comics, go down that rabbit hole. Um, and uh, all the other characters um, involved uh, in the Wakanda, you know, um, kingdom could you say um this really interests me so yeah but just everything that black panther stood for and like i just feel like that that marvel like really um i don't know like we i feel like the country needed black panther at the moment that we we got him um and yeah uh yeah i, I love black panther so yeah he's definitely he's some stuff I, de- I definitely agree with that one I definitely agree with that one Josh, number five. So when we're in, uh, we're five through one now. At this point, pretty much five through one has been said. I think I've said this before. Uh, it's been basically said since I was like twelve years old. Uh, so number five for me, um, I mean a character that just, you know, I can't remember not loving this character. It's Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine is just, you know, to me, he, he's always been fascinating. You know, what, what, what's great about Wolverine is that Wolverine is the type of character that uh, if you grow up with comics and you really analyze them, he's one that has so many layers to the character to peel back. Because, like, when you start off, when you start off in comics, you know, particularly in the 90s, we were just all fascinated with anti-heroes, man. Like he's a like I don't know, man. Like they're they're pretty good, but like sometimes they'll murk people too. You know what I mean? So like I don't know. That's what we're fans. It's anti-heroes. So like I mean, you've got Punisher, you've got Deadpool, you've got Cable, you've got all these. Not to mention all the stuff Image is doing at the time with Spawn and Savage Dragon, you know, and and all this like you know anti-hero stuff. And Wolverine was perfect for that. If you remember Wizards. You know, when Wizard did their top 200 comic book characters, their number one was Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And their basic reasoning for that was he's the quintessential antihero. There was no character like him before. You know, because before Wolverine, most of your characters, you know, are essentially good. Okay? You know, you have, you know, I mean, Spider-Man, you know, is a good guy. You know, Fantastic Four are good guys. You know, uh, Iron Man has a drinking problem, but he's a good guy. Captain America, good guy. Superman, Batman, good guys. But Wolverine is a character that's entirely defined by the fact that he was a horrible person and is now trying to be a good person. That's the whole character arc. Everything about him is that. Um, and so that adds to the gravitas of everything he does. 
because everything he does, he's doing this almost mental math in his head of like, you know, if I do this, then maybe that'll take care of this. And so all of his comics are about that. Um, and so like, you know, the first, the first solo Wolverine comic uh, I read was uh, Frank Miller's run, you know, uh, the, just the, it's, that he, that he, he did have cause Jansen or is that written and drawn by him? Uh, it's uh, written by him and it's actually written by Claremont and it's drawn by drawn him. Drawn by Frank Miller. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay. The, the first one, you know, where they go to, you know, they go to Japan and you learn all about, you know, him and uh, his wife, Mariko, mm-hmm. you know, you learn all this stuff and it's just, you know, a, <laughs> just a domino effect of tragedy in that entire comic because everything about his past comes back to revisit him. Um, and so, and, and that's the thing about Wolverine is that he never can fully put his past behind him. Um, because his past is so large, you know, the other thing about Wolverine that makes him interesting is, you know, we don't really know how old he is. You know, we have a general concept, uh, now, uh, with, with, you know, the, uh, Wolverine origin story, um, and all that, but like, there's a lot of really, there, there's a lot of territory there that you can glean from. And there's a lot of people he's run into, and there's a lot of people that he has, you know, run through and there's a lot of people that are coming after him because of what he's done. Uh, and that's, that's what just makes the character so interesting to me, you know? And of course, you know, as Wolverine, once again, I mean, the power set's just a lot of fun too. He's indestructible. So, which means you can get into some really interesting fights with him. Um, and you can get some really interesting points with him that you can't with other characters. So yeah, Wolverine, he's my, that's my number five. And definitely, I saw a choice. It's uh, it's hard hard to argue with Wolverine. Um, you know, Wolverine's easily one of the better characters of all time. Um, definitely the most popular, probably the most popular of the X Men. What did you what did you say? Probably, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, my number five. So my number five. Um, I talked about Batman at six. And I talked about how there are times where he has been known to shut himself off, but it's the times when he opens himself up and opens himself up to the members of the Bat family and to people that he is around. That is what truly makes him the character that he is and helps him out a lot, in my opinion. So my number five is Nightwing, um, better uh, better known as Dick Grayson, Robin, the first Robin, uh, or Agent uh, Thirty Seven, um, if you. Really want to go to the Tom King, Tim Seeley run of Grayson, which is really good. Um, but to me, he's always Nightwing. That's my, that's just how I always view him. And it, uh, it doesn't hurt that Tom Taylor wrote um, the newest Nightwing comic that the first issue of it just came out. And in the opening, um, without spoiling too much uh, of, of that issue, the opening alone told me, I mean, one, it, it showed, I was like, okay, Tom Taylor knows what he's talking about. This entire run's going to be fantastic. But also, it, it gave me a perfect uh, perfect way to talk about him because the very first thing you see is a younger Dick Grayson when he's still in school. Um, he sees these, he sees like four kids picking on, picking on this other kid. And... And his little inner monologue, he's talking about how, you know, these are, these all these four kids are like these, like, 
preppy like school kids that have like all this money and they just think that they're better than everyone else. And even though they're like these big jocks and everything and Dick Grayson's kind of a small guy, it doesn't matter. He's going to stand up for, for the other student and he's going to challenge them. And when he gets home to Wayne Manor um, with a black eye, he starts doing the dishes and Alfred comes up to him and he's like, you know, I was going to do these, you know, before Bruce got home. And he's like, I know you were, and I will never ask you to do my dishes for me, which one that alone says a lot about the character, but also he apologizes to Alfred uh, for the fact that he got into a fight and Alfred stops him. And he says, he says, I would be more disappointed if you didn't. And that's who Dick Grayson is. He's always going to run into – he's always going to run into the fire. He's going to run into the fights just to protect as many people as he can. And, and, he's, and he's probably going to do it while he's doing like this like triple backflip and he's going to be smiling while he's doing it because that's also who he is. Um, the interesting thing about Dick Grayson is that, of course, he comes out of the same tragedy that Batman comes from. But it affects him in a completely different way. Obviously – the there is heartache and there is a sense of depression with losing your parents at such a young age. However, in, in a lot of ways, you would never really be able to tell that by looking at Dick because he always has he always has the smile. He always is trying to be this this, this kind of cheerful person. And as we learn later on in, in the in a lot of the books, he's this person that, that he's trying to keep Bruce balanced as best as he can. Um, one of the better, one of the better stories, um, even though it is technically just the introduction of Tim Drake, but it actually works really well as a Nightwing story is called a lonely place of dying. And it's the first story that's told or the first major story that's told after Jason Todd dies. And there's a point where Barbara goes to, uh, goes to Bloodhaven or no New York at the time. Cause he's with the Titans. And he tells Nightwing, she's like, he's going to need you. And he goes back to Gotham and he basically tells Bruce, he's like, I have to, I've, I'm leading the Titans. I can't come back. You're going to need someone else, which is why Bruce has to get Tim Drake, so on and so forth. But it's Dick is the one who is telling him that he needs to. Dick is the one who understands that. Bruce is going to Bruce could go not not necessarily off the deep end and not you know, I, I'm not saying that he's going to start like killing people or anything like that like some writers would um, but more importantly with Bruce he becomes more um, more reckless and he always needs Robin or someone there to keep him grounded in the sense of I have to make sure that I can do what I'm doing as well as watching out for them that's one that's one of my my favorite aspects of, of their relationship and who they are as characters. Um, of course, Nightwing, when, or when Dick grows up and he becomes Nightwing, he kind of branches off. That's when he leads the Titans. He moves to Bloodhaven um, where he starts defending that city. And it's just, he's always just been such a, such a dynamic character for me. Any any time that he showed up, he I think I think Nightwing himself only has like four or five episodes in Batman the Animated Series, but when he would always show up, it was like oh my gosh, it's a Nightwing episode, sweet. Um, of course, one of one of the 
the unintentionally funniest moments in the Batman animated series is when they cut to the origin of why Dick Grayson left Bruce and he's like, Bruce is getting too, uh, too intense and he's questioning this thug. And while he's in the thug's home <laughs> and <laughs> there's a point where Batman throws him against the wall and then it cuts to the man's child. I can't remember if it's a girl or a boy, but they just go, Daddy! And, like, for some... Like, if I remember correctly, it cuts there. Like, and, and, then, and then, like, it cuts well, back that's to... That's why Dick Grayson quit. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's like, that's why he quit. He's just he's just like, I can't, I can't do this if we're going to be, you know... If we're going to be interrogating guys in front of their own children. You know? That's true. That's true, you know? But, um... That's just one of my. That's still one of my favorite moments of the Batman animated series, um, you know. And and even and that's honestly that that episode's a really good way of looking at Nightwing as well because even though he's angry at Bruce and even though he 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 has his issues with him, he understands that one Bruce is absolutely in that positive for Gotham. There's no way around it. Like he's he never he never goes the route of. You need to stop being Batman, or you need to stop, you know, taking in more Robins, so on and so forth, uh, or more, or anyone of the Bat family. To the best of my knowledge, Dick has never gone that route, and if he has, I just don't really trust that writing because every other writer that I've actually enjoyed reading Nightwing on, he's never done that, um, because he understands the role that Batman has to take for Gotham. And he understands that he will not always have to have that role, that 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 Nightwing, that he himself will not always have to be there for Bruce, because Bruce will have other people there for him. Um, even to the point of when of when Dick takes up the cowl himself and becomes Batman, he's he, even then he he's constantly thinking about you know, am I going to be as good of a Batman for Gotham as Bruce was? Which of course the answer is unfortunately no, because no one can be as good he as does a pretty darn he good does. Job. He does a great job. I'm not saying I'm not saying he doesn't, but he's the only, he's the only person I would accept as uh, well, Batman. Well, yeah, better than Bruce Wayne. No, man, D- Damien, just just go straight for just slicing people's heads off. I you guess. know, just just go for it. <laughs> oh goodness, but uh, but yeah, that is. Night, Nightwing is my number five, and I just I've always loved the character, probably always will. Um, and he he's another one that he was higher originally, um, but then had to kind of had to kind of switch some things around. Um, but we'll be getting more into later. Um, but uh, that is going to be our stopping point for the evening. Thank you all once again so very very much for listening. Um, these have been so much fun to record and so much fun to talk about with with my fellow correspondents. Um, and we have more coming, I promise. Uh, and we just we cannot wait to keep talking about our favorite characters because it's only I mean we've we've got four left guys like we're we're getting to the like the the top like our favorites the we're getting to the people that can apparently knock out um, Bucky and Loki out of out of someone's top five which is you know that's that's insane um, but uh, but yeah so once again thank you all so much for listening um, please like share subscribe go to you know patreon if you can and help help us out a little bit we'd always appreciate it um and as always remember that phantom is for everyone thank you all so much have a good night he didn't say cowabunga again <gasps>
Al, I'll leave this in. Cowabunga. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. <laughs>